So I was looking at all these band names. And I was mm. like, eh, nothing's really kind of working with my pattern. So it doesn't exactly follow the pattern, but I did come up with a great name for this episode, I think. What? Bomb something corporate. Nice. Hey, man. Stick it to That's the, heavy. It's edgy. That's heavy, We're man. getting edgy. We're getting a new demographic Ooh. with that one. We're going to get some crazy people we're gonna get stumbling all, across our podcast. All the anarcho-punks out Jeez. there that listen to shitty podcasts. These are Jared's words. I don't advocate them. I'm a pacifist. Thoroughly pacifist. Mm-hmm. Look aggravated at something <laughs> corporate. <laughs> there you go. Sneer. Sneering. Sneer. Sneering's fine. Sneering is very effective. <laughs> King of sneers. King of sneers. A Yankee sneer. <laughs> Killed by a Yankee sneer. <laughs> a half-cocked Yankee sneer at something corporate. <laughs> okay. There's a way better name. Nine Inch Nails. <laughs> All right, hello and welcome to episode 18 of Shuffle. Please make sure to listen to the five songs that we will be discussing in this week's episode. Links to Spotify and YouTube playlists can be found in this episode's description on our awesome website, which you should go to and should probably talk about more, but I never do. Check it out. www.jrdsct.com slash shuffle. Jerd Scott. Scuffle. Get your jerd on. <laughs> That's the tagline of the website. <laughs> it has been six episodes since our last icp incident. Nice. Only six? Feels like it's been a while. It's because we keep doing all these weird... Wait, 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 but Jared, it's episode 18. This is a big deal. That means our podcast is officially an adult. You get it? Well, We're an adult now. Yeah. That's a big deal. But, I I mean, we have like 28 episodes. No, those don't count. But there's only 18 official those episodes. Those don't count. 18. Okay. And I, to commemorate, I have to quote my guru, Paul McCart. Who would have known? Okay. Now, when he was reflecting back when he was 18, and he had this nugget of wisdom, in reference to John Lennon, who was 24 at the time. Who's John Lennon? Uh, some bullshit okay. guy. Okay. He said, ah... So this is in reference to John Lennon being 24 and being in art school and being in a band. And Paul McCartney said this, quote, Ah, you can hang on till you're 24, I realized. Then you've got to get a job or something. Then the game is up, end quote. So we got to episode 24 to get Beatle famous. Buddy. Okay, and then we got to get then we gotta real get jobs. Beatle famous, or we got to get a real job. Okay. So that's my um, guru right the, there. The pressure is on. We got six episodes to make it Beatle famous. Oh, shit. <laughs> then we gotta start doing some plugging. Then we gotta, yeah. Then we gotta get some advertising. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I actually have a little bit of ICP news. What? You can wander on over to the ICP news corner. We haven't been there in a while. This year marks the 17th annual gathering of the Juggalos. And in promotion for this gathering, the group has released a 30-minute promotional infomercial all about the gathering, hosted by none other than Connie Queefer and Willie Fudge. <laughs> oh, God. Wow. If you're feeling particularly sadistic, I will post it on the website for you to watch. I could get through about 30 seconds of it. And I was <laughs> like, I get the point. 
Yay. It's pretty fucking bad. Dude, I gotta check. Are you gonna post it? Yeah, I'll post okay. it. I gotta Connie Queefer. Jesus. Connie Queefer. I mean, a lot of the video is just them showing the bands that are going to be performing there. Yeah. But there's a lot of just horrible dialogue and it's, <laughs> it's all in the infomercial style. Where is it? Where is it? Do you know? It's always in Tennessee or something. Uh, it's uh, Ohio, I think. Ohio. I'm pretty sure it's always in Ohio. We're so close. We are pretty damn close. We should go. Infantry. Maybe Idaho. No, it's Ohio. I'm pretty sure that it's in Ohio. Right. That sounds right. Or it's in Michigan. They're from Detroit, but I think it's in Ohio. Should have done my ICP <laughs> fact checking. Sorry, Shame all you juggle you, listeners out there. Throw us a bone. Come on, tell us where it's at. Throw us a fago. <laughs> Throw me a fago. Right. Uh, let's since we're on the corner, let's wander over to our other corner, the Kanye Canoes corner. Ooh. I'm sure this is old news to all of you by this point, but Kanye was recently on the Ellen DeGeneres show. Oh yeah. Oh boy. Was he on that show? <laughs> I almost don't want to say anything. I just want you all to go watch it. Yeah. But to say the least, he was simply doing the normal talk show question-answer portion. Yeah. Which he must not be very familiar with. No. <laughs> he must not be. Ellen started out by asking him if... He ever regretted any of the tweets that he sent out, and it shortly just burst into this nine-minute-long. Is rant the word? Just uh, genius. Just unlike anything you'll ever just, see in your just life. This nine-minute genius. Yep. Yep. Topics all over the board. He talks about how well he compares himself to the likes of. Picasso, Walt Disney, and Steve Jobs, and says since they're all dead, someone else has got to take their place. It's only logical. And he was saying, oh, everybody is giving Leo kudos because he talked about environmentalism in the planet, but why isn't anyone giving me any props? I'm trying to stop <laughs> bullying with my fashion line. I remember being in school and seeing kids and dressing cool, and it's like, I want to dress like that. That's my whole mission. It doesn't make a lot of sense. I want to make $80 <laughs> t-shirts so kids don't get beat up. <laughs> in, the, in the whole time, the, the whole time, his eyes are just like glazed over. He's not looking at Ellen. He's not looking at the audience. It's almost yeah. like he's just become this vessel for a message to travel through him. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. I'm pretty sure he's having a manic episode. It's pretty fucking weird. <laughs> and then they do a similar, like... You know how on talk shows they bring famous people on and play dumb little games. The Jimmy Fallon thing? Yeah, so Ellen does this thing where it's five-second answers, where a question is asked, and you have five seconds to give three answers. And Ellen went first, and it was something like, what are, what are three things you shave? And in five seconds, she's like, armpits, legs, beards. And then the question was then directed towards Kanye. And he took a genius twist on it. He did. And this, I think, if there was ever to be an 11th commandment etched onto the stone tablets, <laughs> I think we need to clear room for this one. When asked, name three parts of the body that hair grow on, his answer was balls, balls, 
in balls. That's three. Three balls. The Holy Trinity of gay balls. <laughs> Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Jesus. Holy shit. Why do you I, do it three times? That's what. That's where I got to draw the line and ask what's going on. Maybe he, twice. Maybe he's trying to admit that he has three balls. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, that. I, that's disturbing. It's a little I, weird. <laughs> God. I, I, I implore everyone to go watch this. It's horrifying and entertaining. Yeah. All at the same time. Mm. So what do you got for us in the wing hut today? Actually, it's a perfect crossover because it involves Kanye West. Because we all know. Ooh. So okay, we all got a we all got a moral compass in the world, right? Some people got the Gandhi. Some people got the Jesus. I got the Paul McCarts. All right, what can I say? McCarts. I'm a wing nut, and he's my wing man. Or I'm, you know, I'm his wing man. I don't know. Paul McCarts. Anyways, he recently has collaborated with Kanye West about a year ago, year and a half ago, right? And there was the Rihanna song. Yeah. And there was also the song All Day, which, did you ever hear this song? Vaguely. Like, I, I don't know if I ever actively listened to it, but I did hear it. It's somewhat infamous for its very frequent use of the N-word. All day N-word. Yeah. That's what I know Constantly about the Constantly has the N-word. And Paul McCartney was just recently interviewed and was asked about this N-word. And I gotta be honest, I'm not sure how to take his interpretation of it. He was saying that a lot of people were telling him not to put his name on this because it kept using the N-word. And he said he kind of understood that, but, quote, it's Kanye, man, end quote. Which, uh, you know, hey, Paul McCartney, he's not the smartest guy. But he did repeatedly stress how the word's being used in a, quote, unquote, urban context. And that there's these new young, quote unquote, urban artists who are, you know, using it in a quote unquote, urban way. <laughs> Just in case anyone <laughs> forgot that he was an old white guy, he <laughs> really <laughs> reminded us by saying the word urban over and over again. You're one of them urban musicians, isn't he? Those urban utes. <laughs> and then he went so far as to say even Oprah, who he said is very conservative about this, says that not even black people should use the N-word. And he said, again, we have quote-unquote urban people using it. So, <laughs> so it's okay. And uh, then that was pretty much all he said. So uh, I'm not sure how to feel about it. He's not known to be smart. You know, he's just, he's just you know, he's Paul McCartney. So check it out. Not know, smart, he's Paul McCartney. <laughs> you know, all those urbans with their Ebonics. And <laughs> it's, yeah. I, like, holy shit. Some people should maybe just retire. You know what I mean? Maybe he he should just go and hang out with uh, Skype and just make emojis <laughs> until he yeah drifts away. Yeah. So that's it. That's the Wing Hut news. That's the Wing Hut. News. Thank you. Yeah. We need to get a little like ident <laughs> song to like play in and out the Wing Hut. Just to dub this band on the run. Band on the run. And then it'll end with. Yeah. Paul McCartney. Paul McCartney. Yeah. Paul McCartney. Yeah. I'm just going to sample this audio clip of you singing that and just use that as the intro and outro. Paul McCartney. Yeah. Paul McCartney. Paul McCartney. Paul McCartney wins. There we go, baby. Well. <laughs> now that we've officially lost every listener, 
We definitely should start looking for jobs because we are not <laughs> going to make it to episode 24. Damn it. Well, let's, let's move on to the music news. Recently, to celebrate the 16th anniversary of the Marshall Mathers LP, Eminem began to sell bricks from his childhood home for $113 each. They are actual bricks from his house, <laughs> which is famously featured on the album art for both the Marshall Mathers LP and the Marshall Mathers LP 2. Mm. There were 700 bricks total. They come with a numbered certificate of authenticity as well as Eminem's handwritten signature. Wow. Also comes with a display case. Wait, there's 700? Yes. He's selling them for 100. 113 each. He's going to make like $700,000. Well. Or 70. Wait, what's my math? A hundred. Seven hundred. Holy shit, he's gonna make Well, oh my god. He also promises that a portion of the proceeds will go to the Marshall Mathers Foundation, which provides funds for organizations working with at risk youths in Michigan. Right. I don't know right. how much. That's not bad. But some of it. A little bit. Also so, known as his mansion. Yes. Where he has one <laughs> foster child. But at <laughs> one at a time. Day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, they come with like a little display case, a plaque, as well as a cassette reissue of the album. And if $113 is too steep for you, he is also selling a standalone cassette that comes with a dog tag made from salvaged wood from the house. Wow. Also, I didn't mean to mislead you. The bricks are already sold out. Ugh. They all sold. There's still the dog tags, though. Wow. Wow. What if some just one rich guy bought them and he's just going to like, throw them through his window? <laughs> that would be <laughs> fucking amazing. <laughs> through Eminem's window? Yeah, through Eminem's window. God, that would be so great. <laughs> like Martin Shkreli. He could redeem himself. Uh, <laughs> did you hear? I wasn't going to include this because it's not really music-related. I wasn't going to include it in the Skrillex saga. Oh, I think I heard this. Do you know the... Robert Zimmerman. Yeah, he wants yeah. to buy Robert Zimmerman's gun. But for a good reason. Yeah, he wants yeah. to either destroy it or display it in a museum as an ode to how disgusting humanity yeah. can be. Which is a little strange because I... I mean, I'm not an expert on museums, but I've never heard of a museum putting on display a weapon that killed someone. What about... Maybe there's exceptions. I don't... I'm gonna, like... I'm showing my hand here. Isn't... I don't know if we actually have it, but isn't the spear that struck Jesus, like, famously shown somewhere? <laughs> you know? I, I have no idea. I don't know. I, I don't can't, know. Maybe. But it's probably not authentic. But I guess they didn't but technically maybe. kill... Well, they added to him dying. He didn't die. I don't know what book you've been reading, bro. Not cool, Jared. You just made things awkward. Okay, <laughs> okay I'm just gonna. For all you good Christians out there, he didn't die. All right. I'm just gonna give you my iPad and let you finish <laughs> this episode. I'm gonna go do some penance in the corner. I appreciate you got, that. Did you bring I your that. Did you bring your nine tails with you? Because yeah, I, yeah. I need a. <laughs> I got 12. 12 for you, tails. Buddy. Ooh. Adding three on there okay. for the Trinity. I do need. You know what I mean? All three of Kanye's balls <laughs> are attached <laughs> to this whip. And, and while you, you didn't whip, shave them And either. while you whip yourself in the back, they're actually on the, the handle part. So while you're whipping yourself in the back, they're just dangling oh, in your face the whole time. Unshaven. You're getting tea bagged while your back is being oh. ripped open by little stones. There's an idea. There's an idea. <laughs> True penance. <laughs> 
You don't know redemption until Kanye's three sweaty balls have teabagged you in your face. Man. While you're thinking about Jesus. That's some iconography right there. Wow. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> uh, the hell were we even talking about? We're talking about Shkreli okay, throwing bricks going, through windows. Yeah. Uh, okay, uh, more music <laughs> news. Nick Menzia, the longtime drummer of Megadeth, died last Saturday while performing on stage in L.A. Mm. Yeah, that's crazy. Pretty brutal. But it wasn't. It's with his other band, right? Yeah, it was not okay. with Megadeth. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Uh, wow. He, he was 51, and it's speculated that he suffered a massive heart attack and was dead before the ambulance could get there. Wow. Fuck. I mean, yeah, it's he's way too young to go like that, but. I think any metal drummer would probably like say like if I could go out, it'd be pretty fucking badass to go out while drumming. Yeah. Damn. But yeah. Gotta take care of your heart, man. Pour one Gee. up for my homies. Alright, I'll do one. Right on the microphone or the laptop. <laughs> so this past weekend there was a music festival in Denmark called Roskide Music Festival and Damon Albarn was performing there with his collective called Africa Express. Hmm. I think uh, some members of like Yaya Yaz are part of it. And he played a five hour long set. Wow. Went until 4 a.m. And the festival organizers came out and asked him to wrap things up. And he blatantly refused and encouraged the audience to cheer him on. And it got to the point. Where while he was singing in a song, a security guard came out, grabbed him, and picked him <laughs> up, and physically carried him off stage. Wow. There's a video of it I will post. Holy it's, crap. He was laughing. Like, he was having a good time, but dude, five fucking hours. Does he have that much music, or was it like covers? He, it got to the, yeah, it got to the point or? where he was just doing covers, like, <laughs> right like right when the security guards came out to grab him he was singing he j- it was just him like i think he was also very intoxicated yeah he was at his piano just singing like should i stay or should i go now <laughs> nice. i guess he also did like a bunch of gorillas covers and nice, stuff like that nice but, nice and like wow. he kept bringing out guests like members of blur and other musicians at the festival to come sing with him like wow. i just think he was having a great time is there footage of this? I guess. Yeah, see this. there's wow. a video of. I guess see there's a couple videos of him performing, and then there's a video of the security picking him, lifting up. him off stage. <laughs> nice, nice. Yep. Uh, let's see other news. Uh, to kind of follow up a story we brought up a while ago, Against Me recently played their protest song in North oh, Carolina. Nice. And during the performance, uh, lead singer Laura Jane Grace, transgendered lead singer of the band actually brought her birth certificate to the show and lit it on fire while playing and yelled goodbye gender to it as it burnt up in her hand wow wow so punk isn't she gonna need that i think you can get other (laughs) copies yeah yeah yeah. but then if you can get other copies it's what's the point what's the point it's catch 22 you know what i mean but it's you know it's the thought that counts. So let's move on to the big news story. I don't know if you heard anything about this. Oh yeah, the Paul McCartney thing. I already yeah. mentioned it. Can you just say it again? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So everyone's got a hero. You know what I mean? Some got the Gandhi. Some got the Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. Okay. Band on the run. <laughs> Wings. Yeah. <laughs> 
Do you hear about Yacht's sex tape? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, a few weeks ago, Yacht took to their social networks to say that a sex tape of theirs was against their will released online. Mm-hmm. And since they realized that in today's day and age you can't really erase anything, they knew it was going to be going around torrent sites. They said, you know, at this point, since our privacy was stolen from us, the only thing we can do is take charge of it and own it. So they actually created a website selling the sex tape for $7. Saying, we don't want you guys to see this, but we know you're all going to see it anyway. And this is the only way that we can, like, you know, take own it. Make, yeah. Take ownership make of it. Make money from it. <laughs> make little money. Yeah. So then there was... I'd say about a 12-hour period of time where everyone was online looking like there's all these Googles for like, where's the yacht sex tape? I want to <laughs> see it because no one wanted to buy it. It eventually got leaked to Pornhub and it was about two minutes long and it starts off with your typical night, night vision, vision yeah. them kind of chaotically rolling around in bed and kissing. Did you watch it? Yeah. Oh, you pervert. Well, Jared. I watched it after reading about it. Jesus isn't dead. He is now. Get it? Oh. <laughs> they killed him in the video. It's a snuff yeah. film. <laughs> okay, so you watched it. So the then thing. right at the end, the video starts to glitch out. And then they pull their skin off their faces and reveal that they're these horrible slime monsters. Is it like good effects? It's pretty fucking gross. Really? I will say it's pretty good effects. Wow, wow, wow. I didn't want to. Turns out that this was a viral marketing campaign and promotion for their new music video. Shit. Here's me doing bad research again. I think it's for their song. Like it's very fitting. I want to fuck you to death, or I want to fuck you for the rest of my life. It's it's something like that. It's very fitting that you forgot. That's yeah. pretty much what happened. And, and then yeah, they yeah, came out no. later saying like, yeah, this is all just a stunt and promotion for our new music video. Yeah. Knowing how we talked about Yah a little bit on the show, that they're a little on the pretentious side. A little bit. I couldn't help but revel a little bit in the fact that they got pretty, like, critically panned by, like, every media person out there. But in their ever-so-slight defense, why the hell were people reporting on it? Like, the state of journalism today. And every, they were just cranking yeah. it out immediately, like yeah. Every pitchfork, consequence of sound, everyone was posting Except about Except like this. one. There was one person that I can't remember who it was, but they came out like high and mighty. Maybe it was AV Club. Maybe. It was AV Club. Okay. Which good on them. They were like, it seemed fishy, so we were gonna wait till we could confirm it. And we're glad. Because no one else did. So no, because yeah, if you go on like Pitchfork. I think there's like over six articles documenting every little update to this story. Yeah. It's just like, calm the fuck yeah. down. Yeah. Stupid all around. So what have you been listening to lately? Well, Animal Collective, two members of Animal Collective, Deacon and Panda Bear and Avery Tear. <laughs> not them. Deacon not Geolo- them. Yeah, not them. Deacon Geologist, they the did a... They did a, but maybe the two no, best kidding. after Sorry, this. I'll stop. <laughs> I'll stop. They did a cover slash mix up of Bob Dylan's "Don't Think Twice, It's All Right" for his 75th birthday, and I highly recommend 
putting it on headphones, turning the lights off, and just zoning out to it. If you're a Bob Dylan fan, I think you'll like it a lot. I love that song. That's like one of my first songs I learned on guitar. And yeah, Deacon has a great ear for like that kind of weird, like a psych melody. He's very good. He compliments the song really well. And kind of brings back that kind of raw energy of Dylan's voice that was good early on and then he kind of lost. So I, it's good. I highly recommend listening to that. Is it just a song or is there a music video? Or no music. Like... They just upload it to SoundCloud. All right. Yeah. I'll post a link. I'll post yeah. a link to it's it. It's really good. I definitely need to check that out. It's very like feels era vibe. Okay. Yeah. Which Deacon was kind of credited, I've heard, of kind of giving it that kind of organic nature sound. And that's even more on this song than that album. You like hear like outdoors crickets and birds and stuff. So Deacon was not around for Merriweather. He came back back for centipede. centipede and then he was not here for painting with right he spent about like 10 years on his solo album <laughs> and it's good i agree with you yeah but after like 10 years is it what it's like eight tracks isn't it it's six six it's six tracks it's like he has like a i think he said he has like anxiety depression and like he was like like a paralyzed sure like couldn't do anything for a long time i bet i bet too there's like a vault of like demos that yeah were probably i can't imagine you just work on six songs for 10 years because you can go on youtube and listen to a video from like 2008 of him doing songs on the album and they sound extremely similar (laughs) you just need the confidence you just need it yeah but it is the best animal related release i think since merriweather it's great. His album, too, is great. But, hey, that's just me. That's just him. Well, I'm still waiting for the Paul McCartney remix. Come on. Or the collab. Ooh. That would never happen. <laughs> He's sticking with the urban music. Yeah, right? he likes the urban. <laughs> the herbs. I like the herbs. God. So I've been listening to, because it's finally been released, beyond a record store day capacity uh zuzu plays the music of twin nice. peaks otherwise i know some people pronounce it juju or susu hmm. I, I always say zuzu i think it's actually shushu so yeah i think i talked about this a few episodes ago famed experimental heavy heavy emphasis on the word experimental <laughs> avant-garde rock indie outfit Shushu has recently for record store day did a cover album of Twin Peaks music and their music's pretty hit or miss with me they, yeah. they put out so much music they do every time they do cover albums though it's pretty good like a couple years ago they did a whole cover album of Nina Simone songs really they did wow and it was actually really damn good wow and so I, I didn't know what to expect with this. Like, first of all, they're very famous for his, the lead singer, I can't remember his name, his weird vibrato-y ethereal vocals. And I was like, Twin Peaks, that's all instrumental music. How are they going to do this? Yeah. They actually wrote lyrics for some of the songs. Nice. And they actually fit pretty well. Nice. And I think... Similar to how you, when we talk about cover songs, you often talk about like the reasoning for doing it. Like, yeah. Can they add something to it? Yeah. They definitely 
added nice. to it. Nice. They nice. Twin Peaks as a playful, goofy, yet like horrifyingly eerie atmosphere yeah. vibe to the show. And that is exactly what they bring to the table with this. Every song, I won't say they overstay their welcome, but they're substantial songs. Each of them is like six to eight minutes long. Nice. And it's, you know, the Twin Peaks music is kind of repetitive just because it's got to play in the background. They do a good job at sticking with the recognizable melodies, but still like adventuring off to an exploration, but they never go too far yeah. away from it. I think they knocked it out of the fucking park with this. I gotta check it out. I gotta give that a good listen. It's on Spotify. They actually yeah. and they did a non-record store day pressing of the record. If people still would like to own it on vinyl, nice. I think it's really great. I'd I'd love. It'd be awesome to see if like this somehow got incorporated into the reboot of the show. Yeah. Speaking yeah. of which, I don't know if you saw, it, but did you hear that before he died, Bowie was slated to? I heard that have an appearance yeah. in it. It'd be nice to see that. Damn. Damn. Maybe yeah. they'll Photoshop him in. Yeah, you know they'll do like a Tupac hologram. <laughs> Except Tupac's not dead. Yeah, exactly. Tupac's Just like Jesus. Dead. Come on. Well, Jesus hologram. When I say Tupac, it's <laughs> Tupac Jesus. It's all the same Tupac Jesus. word to me. Gandhi, Paul McCart. Steve Jobs, Pablo Steve Picasso, <laughs> Walt Disney. Yeah. Kanye. Balls, balls, balls. Okay, let. <laughs> that that should be our new like send out. Balls, <laughs> balls, balls, everyone. <laughs> All right, it's been like a half hour. Let's talk about our first song. Get to the music. Does your face hurt? No, cause it's killing me. Good Bomb the music industry. Off the 2005 album album minus band. Bomb the music industry. I should be saying that differently because it ends with an exclamation. Bomb the music industry. <laughs> We're an experimental hardcore ska punk band from Baldwin, New York. They wrote, produced, recorded, and distributed all of their music under the leadership of the songwriter and producer Jeff Rosenstock. Rosenstock and several other contributors were previously members of the six-piece ska punk band The Arrogant Sons of Bitches. Right as that band was breaking up, Rosenstock recorded his first Bomb the Music Industry song, which was called Sweet Home Canada, or Sweet Home Canada, Canada, C-A-N-A-N-A-D-A, Can-Anada, Sweet Home Canada, Sweet Home Canada, there you go. Oh, I didn't see the blah, 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 blah. blah yeah, see, that's it's in the title. That's where it is. So he wrote this first song just kind of as an experiment, and he did the whole thing on his MacBook PowerBook just using the built-in microphone on it. Hmm. He said, I wrote the song to see if anybody wanted it, and that's how it started. People showed interest, and I like recording stuff. The band is known for their DIY, which stands for Do It Yourself. Do It Yourself! Exclamation point, typically. Yeah, they probably should. Just kind of get off my lawn. Do yeah. it yourself! <laughs> get off my lawn. <laughs> <laughs> it's angry. <laughs> Do it yourself! So the band is known for their DIY punk ethic, uh, embodied in actions such as distributing six albums worth of their own material for free on their website, what? which is true. Wow. If you like wow. this song, all of their music is for free nice. online. I respect it. 
and they also always try to play all-age shows with price tickets of $10 or less and often would offer fans the chance to perform on stage with them if they brought an instrument to the show. <laughs> wow. Which I think is kind of cool. Yeah. Wow. This kind of sparked comparisons of them. They were labeled like the Fugazi of the internet age in punk. Because huh. Fugazi was famous for kind of bringing hardcore DIY. Mm. I was thinking kind of like <laughs> Beatles. <laughs> what? I see where you're going at. <laughs> you son of a bitch. <laughs> In 2012, the band announced that they would be going on an indefinite hiatus and played their last show in Brooklyn on January 19th, 2014. Mm. They are known for their unique sound, mixing ska and hardcore punk with synth pop influences. Mm. This is lead singer Jeff Rosensack's description of this album. Album Minus Band is the debut full-length album from Bomb the Music Industry, recorded by the ex-arrogant Sons of Bitches frontman Jeff Rosenstock in a bedroom as an unexpected creative outburst during a month-long sobriety spree. <laughs> unlicensed cover songs, unlicensed audio samples, great times. So Rosenstock also founded the independent record label quote-unquote records which famously puts out all of its records for free in keeping with his diy ideology which is where you can get these albums as well as all the other every band on the label all their music for free hmm. it's all free Damn. Damn. you can buy physical releases as well wow so since he released all of his music for free under a creative commons license and since we don't make any money off this podcast unless you'd like to donate, in which case you can go to www.jrdsctt.com and hit the donate button. I can actually play this song for you guys. Nice. So without further ado, here is Does Your Face Hurt? No, because it's killing me by Bomb the Music Industry. Yeah. 
All right, so that was Does Your Face Hurt? No, because it's killing me. <laughs> so before we talk about it, let's see what Jeff has to say about this song. Jeff said, so I guess this song is kind of the mission statement of Bomb the Music Industry. In a way, because I wrote the lyrics after seeing people in bands just trying to be so fucking cool all the time. So yeah, th this song is pretty much... Him bitching about how much he hates certain types of people in the music industry. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, overall, it's a pretty straightforward ska punk song with some added beeps and boops in there from yeah. a synth. Yeah. I personally rather enjoy the beeps and boops. I feel like ska and punk music can get pretty monotonous after a while, and it's kind of refreshing to hear someone experiment with the genre. Yeah. But what yeah. did you think of this track? Yeah, same. I thought it was a pretty, like, stock ska punk song i yeah equally i think appreciate the electronic bits i kind of wish there had been a little more of that yeah uh in fact because that kind of is i've never I, I can't think of any time i've ever really in a pronounced way heard that blending of electronic and ska uh which is also interesting because i don't think there were horns actually in this music i don't think so i think there was like keyboard kind of making yeah the there was kind of like the organ and yeah. like the the upstroke yeah that's not the, i don't know i don't know music but like the ups picking yep. guitar yep. or whatever yeah kind of syncopated so. yeah i thought one tiny little gripe i had was the refrain like they must have made a mistake in the production room because you can't hear the lyrics you can't at all. hear them at all and those are i think the most interesting lyrics of the song actually i think it's some of the most interesting lines i had to look them up but it just totally is buried which that puzzled me. That it kind of annoyed me a little bit. Yeah, there's lo-fi, and then there's like just making impeding a in your ability to enjoy the music. Yeah, yeah, that was that was a little weird to me. But otherwise, yeah, I thought you know it was a standard track, kind of a little bit of a reading their AP and Fuse TV, which yeah. is funny. What is Fuse TV? Fuse TV was. I don't know if it's still around even. I think it is. It was a music video channel. Oh, it was. Okay. That I thought catered, it was like Cars or something. It catered specifically to kind of punk and emo music, especially in the early 2000s. Okay, I got gotcha. It was like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it was supposed to be kind of like MTV for alternative punk pop punk emo music yeah and it was like you know it was like a comcast channel like you had to have like a cable subscription okay to ha it was yeah. like in up in like the 500s but that's that's fuse tv Green their yeah so i mean yeah the lyrics were consistent the vocalist he kind of sounds like weird al yankovic a little bit which is just a kind of there's, there's a goofiness to him yeah which is that's not a judgment weird al that was the first concert i ever saw in my life me too really have we ever no talked shit. about this we must have where was it? In Minnesota? Or? Minnesota, at the Minnesota State Fair. For I, running with scissors? Yeah, I was in fifth grade. I thought I saw him the very next day in Fargo. Yeah, and it was Damn. so awesome. It was at the Minnesota State. We should save this story, actually, because a little foreshadowing. <laughs> the next episode might feature a Weird Al Fuck, song. really? So Dude, that guy puts his heart and soul into a live show. Let's, let's yeah, save we'll these stories we'll for that episode. It's a little teaser. But yeah, this guy's voice, I thought, had a kind of a, that goofy yeah. goofiness to it. I don't know if I would... This song, it doesn't bother me. I'm not in love with it. It's just a good song. Yeah, I, I mean, 
for as much as I dig this guy's do-it-yourself philosophy, and I do admit that he makes pretty damn good ska punk music. Yeah. I think the message is a bit trite and overplayed at this point. Like, I'm not even yeah. the biggest ska punk fan, and I feel like nine out of ten ska punk songs are all about how lame people in the music industry are. What year did this come out? This is a 2005. Okay. So this yeah. is this is that's still this is at least late. like a <laughs> decade after the summer of ska. Yeah. It's just like. Yeah, it's a little yeah. I don't yeah. know. I I do appreciate his tendency to lean towards humor rather than yeah. just like straight up anger. But then again, that is a common practice in ska music. Yeah. It is a common trope yeah. to use sarcastic humor to represent the rage and anger you feel deep down inside. Yeah. So Yeah. No, no, I agree. He edges on getting creative with it, but it's a tired theme. It's a yeah. pretty tired theme. Yeah. I yeah. the biggest takeaway is wow, he must really hate the music industry. Yeah. He Ooh. named his band that. <laughs> he wrote a song about it. Yeah. He says it's the band's mission statement. Yeah. And you know, I I don't blame him. There's I've heard a lot of bad stories about the music industry, yeah. but uh, I don't know. But he's in it, man. Yeah. Really was. It's no. But it, it's a good song, yeah. but it's it had some tight instrumentation. There was nothing like that blew me away, but it was like pretty like I did like kept it together. I did like how they played with the stereo with the fight, 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 fight yeah. lines yeah. and it hop between the left and right channel. Yeah. I did like that. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. It yeah. It's just it's all right. Yeah. If you like ska, I would recommend it to someone, but yeah. it's not like blowing my mind. If you did like this song, just a reminder that you can get the band's entire discography for free at quote-unquote-records.com. Right. Records.com. It's .org. And then go to Jerd. <laughs> Jerd Scott. <laughs> yes. Have you got your Jerd today? Get your Jerd face get off. Get a full helping <laughs> steaming pile of Jerd. I'll take three servings of Jerd. Have you heard the jerk? Three balls. <laughs> All right, let's let's move on to Zero Sum by Nine Inch Nails. Off the 2007 album Year Zero. Nine Inch Nails is an industrial rock band from Cleveland, Ohio, and this is their second appearance on Shuffle. First time was actually a remix song of a remix album based off of this album, Year Zero. Uh, honestly, I could blather on for years about them. It, it, Trent Reznor is, or the Nine Inch Nails is and always has been Trent Reznor. It's his, it's his project. He's the only sole member of the band. In the early days of Nine Inch Nails, everything was done by Trent. But starting with his album, The Fragile, in 1999, he began to allow for more collaborative writing process. They're famously known for, in the late 1980s, Trent was working as an assistant engineer and janitor at a studio called Right Track Studios in Cleveland. (laughs) And at night, when no one was using the studio, he would record his own material, and that became Nine Inch Nails' first album, Pretty Hate Machine. Kind of like Goodwill Hunting. He's a Goodwill Hunting. How do you like them at? Damn. <laughs> yeah. Damn. 
Uh, I didn't even know that. Wow. Yeah. Make a movie about that. Did he Maybe. have nine inch nails while well, he was he was so poor he couldn't afford he couldn't afford ten inch ones. <laughs> <laughs> I got two nine inches. <laughs> Don't. <laughs> oh make sense. shit. Uh, I guess listeners might have gathered by now, but Nine Inch Nails is like my favorite band of all time. My number one played artist on Last FM, over 4,000 plays. I've seen them live six times. He's got their gear on right now. I'm wearing a Nine Inch Nails hat right now. I've touched his hand once. What? Which one? How long were the nails? His left hand. And they were actually trimmed pretty pretty nicely. Damn. That was his right hand. It was in Chicago. They were playing at the Charter One Pavilion. And during the song Piggy, he jumped into the audience, and I was right up near the barricade. And he just kind of, I shouldn't say he jumped. He stood up on the barricade and kind of just like fell into the crowd and everyone swarmed him. <laughs> nice. And this is, this is not nice. my like proudest <laughs> moment. But I was, he had to have been about a foot or two beyond my arm reach. And I was like, he's right there. Yeah. And like, I have to go to him. And I feel bad, but there was like, I kind of like elbowed someone and like pushed (laughs) on my fist and like, I like elbowed someone and launched myself into the air off of their body. Wow. Flew up in the air and came down and landed, and my hand grabbed his sweaty-ass right hand, and we held hands for about five seconds before security pulled him out of the pit. Nice. I know there's people out there that have met him backstage, but I touched his hand, and I, like, probably turned someone into a paraplegic. Was the young child that you pushed over okay? (laughs) No. (laughs) Didn't make it, sadly. Get out of here, kid. <laughs> no. So uh, this wow. album, Year Zero, is the fifth studio album by Nine Inch Nails. And the majority of the album was written on the bus while Trent was on the promotional tour for their fourth studio album with Teeth. Mm. Uh, in contrast to the introspective style of songwriting that Trent used on his previous records, Year Zero is a concept album that criticizes contemporary policies in the United States government by presenting this concept about a dystopian version of the year 2022. Hmm. The album is part of a larger Year Zero project, which includes a remix album, an alternative reality game, an ARG. What? Wow. And a potential television or film project that is still supposedly coming out at some point in the future. Wow. A movie or a TV show. At one point in time, I think they were working with Showtime to put out a show about this story that he came up with. Nice. And so the most interesting part of this album, though, by far, is this alternative reality game. So in February of 2007, fans discovered during a European Nine Inch Nails tour that a new Nine Inch Nails tour t-shirt came out. And on the back, there were a bunch of words. And they noticed that certain letters were highlighted. If you picked out each of the highlighted words in the correct order, it spelt out the phrase, I am trying to believe. Huh. On a whim, someone went online and typed in, I am trying to believe.com. And it <laughs> ended up leading up to a website. 
that website soon led to other websites and it just exploded from there and it, it was this huge reality game of all of these websites that were put up describing this dystopian version of this fictional year nice. zero. <laughs> it was later reported that 42 Entertainment had created these websites. 42 Entertainment is a company famously known for putting out ARG marketing campaigns. They did one for like the Halo 2 release as well. They actually won a bunch of Webby Awards for this year zero one. Nice. So... The, the story of Year Zero is, uh, the Year Zero story takes place in the United States in the year 2022, or as they call it, Year Zero. According to the American government, because this is the year that America is reborn, the United States had suffered several major terrorist attacks, and in response, the government has seized absolute control of the country and reverted to a Christian fundamentalist theocracy. The government maintains control over the populace through the institutions such as the Bureau of Morality and the First Evangelical Church of Plano, as well as increased surveillance and the secret drugging of tap water with a mild sedative. In response to the increasing opposition of the government, several corporate government and subversive websites were transported back in time to the present by a group of scientists working clandestinely against the authoritarian government. Hmm. The websites from the future were sent to the year 2007, which is the year this was all happening, to warn the American people of the impending dystopian future and to help prevent this from ever forming in the first place. Wow. And it it gets so deep. I pop. I didn't realize this ARG was happening to like near the end of it, but mm. it, it got pretty deep. So like it started out with these websites and then there was like telephone numbers you could call. And within the must, like there was actual people hired to answer the phone that were pretending to be part of this. Wow. And like all the websites were all really glitched out because they're being sent back through time. So they didn't come back <laughs> through as well. And then I, I don't want to get too much into this. I, I plan on, I will post links to the Nine Inch Nails wiki mm. that there are huge, very descriptive timelines about all of this, if this is something that nice. you're interested in. Nice. So the website started talking about this thing called the presence. Uh, some people in this, in this story were t- saying when they took drugs, they could see these giant hand-like forms coming down from the sky. But then soon, video and photo footage was taken of these hand figures actually coming down from the sky. And the idea is that this presence, whether they're aliens or gods, they're these creatures that came to Earth to pass judgment on us. Mm. And they plan on destroying Earth because of how bad we've come. And that's why they're trying to send these messages back to stop this apocalypse from happening. So during these European shows, without the music label knowing about it, Trent was taking flash drives with unreleased songs from the upcoming album Year Zero and leaving them in the bathrooms at the venues for fans (laughs) to find. Wow. The fans would find these jump drives go home and listen to the songs and then do you know what a spectrogram is no so a spectrogram is a piece of software where you run audio through it and it will basically make 
like the image of the sound waves so like it'll just kind of look like the sound wave of it but Trent in the digital distortion of the song had hid images to be seen within the songs so if you're listening to the songs wow it'll just kind of look like a, a music wave and then all of a sudden this hand will come down in the picture and it's the presence <laughs> it, it's just so fucking wow. cool that's like elaborate. i said i, I could keep shit. talking about this for hours so wow. if, if this intrigued you at all i will post a link to resources the nine inch the nin hotline and the nine inch nails wiki did a really good job and archived most of these arg websites that you can still go visit and look at wow nice i highly recommend it nice so the, this song zero sum is the last song on the album year zero and in game theory and economic theory zero sum describes a situation in which a participant's gain or loss is exactly balanced by the loss or gain of the other participants in the game. Hmm. Uh, it is so named because when the total gains of the participants are added up and the total losses are subtracted, they will sum to zero. Hmm. The strategy game Go is an example of zero-sum game. So, I, I shouldn't say anything else. What did you think of this song before I start to spill all of my bias onto you? Terrible. It's a terrible song. Terrible song. No, I'm kidding. It's <laughs> fair. No, this was a great song. Uh, yeah, I'm not extremely familiar with Nine Inch Nails at all, but this was, yeah, fantastic song. Every song of theirs I've heard earns my love they they earn the kind of music that they're trying to make yeah you know what i mean i don't know how else to say it but you just get the sense that he knows exactly what he's doing he could go for like like on this song he could go big at any point he could like go like but he did but he doesn't and i respect him a lot for that he's like it, it's a sort of master craft of like impending feelings that keep you engaged but it's just this kind of like yeah, very atmospheric, but extremely engaging music that earns it. I don't know how else to say it, but yeah, fantastic song, great electronic work, great production. It kind of sounded like, I don't know, I, I wrote like snatches and trips. It's like, yeah, it's, but it's a great sound that I, I really don't hear that much in some of the electronic music I listen to. Just great, great, great song. So I'm sure you... Sure, you hated it, but worst song. <laughs> Let's move on to the next song. No, first of all, I think this is an extremely fitting last song for an album. It sounds mm. like a last song yeah. for an album. Yeah, yeah, especially definitely. like for someone who's not, who's probably on the edge about Nine Inch Nails, especially like if you're familiar with their earlier more abrasive dark work year zero i think is a good place for someone who is maybe detracted from that to like jump in yeah the whole album it's very sonically engaging he's older and more mature and it's just got these very interesting production techniques that yeah. he uses with like the, the, the whole beat in the song sounds like an audio file that was stretched a little bit, like it glitches a little bit. Yeah. And there's the classic Trent Reznor piano yeah. throughout the whole thing. <laughs> and then 
the, the majority of the song, and I don't, you don't hear this in many songs, he's just talking, he's whispering. Yeah. You know, yeah. he sings on the refrains, and he's got some really nice harmonies on the refrains, but it, it's mostly kind of, it sounds almost like you're hearing snippets of a dialogue. Yeah. And you don't hear the other participants in the dialogue. You're yeah. only hearing Trent's side of things. Yeah. And to kind of bring it into perspective of the concept album, you know, it's this album about this dystopian future, the government's getting, taking over being bad, the presence comes down, they decide to end the world. The song right before this on the album is called In This Twilight, which kind of documents the world ending. And this song, Zero Sum, is kind of like, you know, lamenting how we failed yeah. in some way. Yeah. Uh, it, yeah, it seems like it's ruminating. Yeah, yeah. lamenting. Yeah. yeah. It's like, you know, it's kind of saying, like, humanity was born from nothing and to nothing it will return. Yeah. The total gain of nothing or the zero sum of it all. Yeah, we're just zeros and ones. Yeah. Says, yeah like, yeah, at the yeah, end yeah. of the day, we're kind of just, that's it. We're just, yeah. We're just data. Yeah. And I don't know. It, it, it's, it's beautiful. It's heartbreaking. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's yeah, it's very common. It's resonant yeah. in some ways. Like it's still something, you know. Like we could head towards a total disaster, and yeah, if the world ends in an apocalypse, we are we're just zeros and ones at the end of all. We're fucking yeah. nothing. Yeah. So, I don't know. I of course I liked it, but I think yeah. it's, it's a beautiful song. It's a great way to end an album. I really like the whispering verses. It's they're like slightly kind of depressing and nihilistic, but not too much. And it, and it, yeah, it it has moments of like very beautiful, like like yeah, like the 148 mark. It's a beautiful little break. Yeah, that's like kind of you know almost like optimistic, but yeah, it keeps that kind of aggressive beat. I, I don't know. Yeah, extremely impressive song. Yeah, that. Yeah, I don't know industrial music that well, but I wrote kind of similarly that it seems like a more accessible first start because it has a kind of yeah. sinister industrial, but the piano and the kind of breaks and it seems like a good primer. Yeah, and this definitely also has like a glitch trip hop influence yeah. on yeah. it as well. Yeah. Yeah, and I just, I don't know, I just love that, like, shame on us line. Oh, yeah. Shame yeah, yeah. on us. I don't know. Yeah. No, it's great. And it's it great. earns, he earns, he earns what he's going for. You know what I mean? It doesn't feel cheap. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's very impressive. I so. highly recommend you listen to this album. I yeah. think this would be a good place for you yeah, particularly to start. Yeah, I, yeah, I start definitely will. Yeah. If you wanted to. Yeah. Ever. Wait, the album is called Zero. Year Zero. Year Zero. Year Zero. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. All right, I can't just sit here and compliment it the whole time. Let's move on to the next track. You sound like you're talking me talking about wings. Yeah. <laughs> Trent on the run. <laughs> Trent on the run. Yeah, my nails are long. <laughs> Woo. All right, let's talk about Yankee Bayonet. I will be home then by the Decemberists off the 2006 album The Crane Wife hmm. Wife Wife The Decemberists The Decemberists 
are an American progressive indie folk rock slash baroque pop band from holy shit progressive holy. indie folk rock slash baroque pop. I also hear they're just pretty much like a Jethro Tull ripoff band. Yeah, I've heard that. For Portland, Oregon, the group's songs range from upbeat pop to instrumentally uh, intense ballads and often employ instruments like the accordion, the Harmon organ, the waltzer organ, and the upright bass. So they're also eclectic as fuck. Damn. Those are some dank ass eclectic Dude. instruments. So baroque. So baroque. <laughs> they just got baroque on my ass. They baroque your ass. They just baroked me, dude. I just got baroque. <laughs> Don't baroque me, bro. <laughs> Don't baroque me, bro. Don't baroque me, bro. Uh, in its lyrics, the band eschews the introspection common to modern rock, instead favoring a storytelling approach with tales ranging from whimsical to epic to dark to political and often invoke historical events and themes from around the world. In addition to their lyrics, which often focus on these historical incidents and or folklore, the Decemberists are also known for their eclectic live shows. Audience participation is often a part of each performance. Hmm. Typically during encores, the band stages whimsical reenactments of sea battles and other century-old events, typically of regional interest or acts out songs with members of the crowd, such as one of the times when I've saw, seen, actually both the times I've seen them, they've gotten the entire audience to sing it around. Wow. Like, they splits the audience into four sections and gets them to sing in a round. Damn. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen them twice. Damn. Uh, the band's name refers to the Decemberist Revolt of 1825, as well as it's meant to invoke the drama and melancholy of the month of December. The December Which, this, The Decemberist know. Revolt took place in Imperial Russia on December 26, 1825. Uh, Russian army officers led about 3,000 soldiers in protest against Nikolas I's assumption of the throne after his elder brother, Constantine, removed himself from the line of succession. Because the, these events occurred in December, the rebels were called the Decemberists. Hmm. Hmm. It's interesting. Eh, no, that's interesting. Baroque as fuck. Yeah. It's just it's interesting because last week we talked about Viet Cong, which was a very politically charged issue. Yeah. It's just interesting. How long can you wait until it's okay? 1825 is the year. Yeah. But in their defense, Nicholas, I think that guy was pretty uniformly considered to be pretty bad. So maybe this isn't that politically Nicholas. 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 <laughs> no, he baroked a lot of folks. I just baroked the fuck out of Nicholas. <laughs> Getting broke <laughs> up in here. The the Crane Wife is the fourth album by the Decemberists and was inspired by a Japanese folk tale and centers on two song cycles, one being the Crane Wife, and the other is the Island. This one, this latter one being inspired by William Shakespeare's The Tempest. The Crane Wife is an old Japanese folktale in which a poor man finds a injured crane on his doorstep. Sometimes the story is told where it has an arrow in its wing. He takes it into his home, nurses it back to health, releases it into the wild, and instantly a woman appears on his doorstep 
They fall in love, get married. Typical but story. They're still poor. And she says, I can weave these wondrous clothes out of silk and sell them so we can make money. But the only stipulation is you are not allowed to watch me while I do this. He agrees. And they go on for a few years and start making some money. And they're very, very happy. But soon the money goes to the man's head and he becomes very greedy. And his greed is blinding him. And he's unable to see that his wife's health is deteriorating hmm. every day as he's forcing her to weave more and more of these silk clothes. Hmm. One time, while she's doing it, the curiosity finally gets the best of him, and he peeks into the room and sees at the loom is not his wife, but actually a crane sitting there. And the crane is actually plucking its own feathers out and weaving them into the loom. And then upon hmm. seeing her husband watching her, she flies out the window and leaves, and Eric comes back, and he dies sad and alone. Spoiler alert. Jeez, Jarrett. Come on. Some of us haven't read this one yet. <laughs> and The Tempest, for those of you who don't know. Spoiler alert. Is considered to be one of Shakespeare's last pieces he wrote alone before people began to help him with his writings. And it is set on a remote island where the sorcerer Prospero plots to restore his daughter Miranda to her rightful place using illusion and skillful manipulation. He conjures up a storm, the eponymous Tempest, to lure his uprising brother Antonio and the complicit king Alonzo of Nepal to the island. There, his machinations bring about a revelation of Antonio's lowly nature and the redemption of the king and the marriage of Miranda to Alonzo's son. Wow. Wait, is that all related to this song? That I'm not sure about. Holy crap. I just I didn't know pick up on that. that the whole album is this kind of is considered like half of the album is supposed to be about the crane wife folk tale and the other half is wow. inspired by the tempest i don't know how well they mesh that's baroque as hell <laughs> jeez it, it, sorry the term is broke <laughs> as fuck. <laughs> i as fuck. i i'm honestly not sure which of those two stories i think I, I I would lean towards the tempest based about, off of the yeah. lyrics from this. Just I thought it was like a. I mean, I did no research on this, but yeah. just Yankee bayonet. I thought it was just like a civil war thing. That's pretty much what it is. So they, <laughs> this is getting this, so the, broke. The theme of this song: civil war in a duck lady with the Shakespeare tempest. Whoa! Whoa! Just broke my pants. I just broke my <laughs> pants. Jeez. Yes. This is a thinking so, man's game. So this song. <laughs> this is a thinking man's game. Yankee Bayonet, I Will Be Home Then. It's it's a dialogue of sorts between two lovers, a deceased Confederate soldier in the American oh, okay. Civil War and his wife. Oh, yeah, I got it right. Yep. I got it right, Ma. <laughs> he tells her that he won't be home. And basically, the, the story is is that they won't be together until she can retrieve his body and bury him where he belongs mm. in the Carolinas where they lived. The female singer is the singer-songwriter Laura Veers. Uh, 
She's kind of a folky acoustic singer-songwriter. I like her a lot. She's she's kind of obscure. Yeah. Uh, her husband, Tucker Martin, was actually one of the producers on this album, hmm. which is why I think maybe she got the vocal feature. <laughs> got the gig. But I also found out that this was also co-produced by the Death Cab for Cutie member, Chris Walla. Well, I should say ex-Death Cab for Cutie member. He's no longer with that band. Hmm. The... The song title and some lyrics of the song itself seem to imply that the soldier was killed via a Yankees bayonet during the Battle of Manassas. Manassas? Mansas. Mansas. Wow, gross. (laughs) Which is also called First Bull Run, which was one of the first major battles during the Civil War. And one of the bloodiest. (laughs) So, yeah, what did you think of Yankee Bayonet? Parenthesis, I will be home. End parenthesis. I got to foreground it that I'm just a product of my culture. You know what I mean? So I heard this song filtered through Fleet Foxes, Lumineers, Mumford and Son of Mice and Men. Dude, they were doing this before, before any I of know. those bands. I know. Man. That's why I foregrounded it. <laughs> and I don't know. If, uh, I don't know if... Wait, wait. Next song. Our only thoughts are... (laughs) (laughs) Okay, no, okay. Continue. Because I don't know... I mean, especially coming after Trent Reznor, where it is... He earns what he's going for. It's very easy for me to just... Let me put it another way. You can listen to music for fun, and I'll like this song. But if you ask me to actively listen to it, then that means I submit myself radically to the song and then i don't really like it (laughs) but if i don't then i like it do you get what i'm saying i would never know i didn't like this song if you hadn't asked me if i didn't force you to listen to it i would have liked it and i I would have never thought twice and then i listened to it and you know have you look for me with the sun bright sparrow i will come on the breath of the wind (laughs) you could almost like i can almost see like a renaissance minstrel singing (laughs) have you seen a mighty wind christopher guest who made spinal tap made a mockumentary about folk music oh okay and eugene levy sings a song i've seen it yeah a ballad of bobby and june and it's a civil war romance dialogue between a man and a woman (laughs) <laughs> okay, let me let me ask you this. Prior to this, were you a fan of or have you ever listened to the Decemberists? I they weren't really on my map. So I had no okay. cl- I had no formed opinion because I had heard some of their songs but I couldn't remember at all what any of them were. Okay. So I didn't so I had no strong opinions one way or the other. Okay. And I just heard this one and I don't know. I found the lyrics. I don't know. Because, again, if I had just passively listened, I would have dug it. But then I kind of radically listened to the song. And it, I don't know. The worst thing I could say is it's kind of pretentious cheese folk predicated on hollow nostalgia for some mythical nothing American Plains romance bullshit. Well, that's the worst thing I could say. But I don't know if it's true. <laughs> no, uh, I will say, right like, in, in your defense, similar to a lot of Colin Malloy, the, the lead singer and lyricist of the band, similar to a lot of his music writing, 
this song is it's extremely archaic it's almost as if the song is a period piece set to contemporary folk music yeah yeah and it's like how can i say this it gets old after a while yeah now yeah I was at one point in time a huge December's fan, and a lot of my friends are too. This they, album, claimed. this I mean, album, yeah, claimed. and then their next album after this, "The Hazards of Love," in particular, were played a huge vital role in like my hipster taste yeah. in music. This form. album was rated number one song of the year by NPR. Yeah, in two thousand six. Yes, yeah, so, I mean, yeah. That's... And I will, and like this album is a great ass album. Yeah, it's great. I I really like the vocal harmonies in the song. I think I do like how well Colin and Laura play off each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, similar to a lot of songs by the Decemberists, the song is kind of extremely depressing, but only if you read into the lyrics. Like, on the surface, it has a very pleasant, nice sound to it. And, like, neither Colin nor Laura sound too broken up about him being dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is, is like, a a theme I found. They write these, like, really fucking disturbed, like, especially off, like, their next album, The Hazards of Love. There's a song called The Rake Song. The Rake being not as in, like, a leaf rake, but as in, like, the character type of rake, a bad guy. Yeah, 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 rakish. And it's this song about a guy who marries this woman they have like four kids together she dies during childbirth of the last one and rather than trying to raise these four kids he just murders them all wow but it's like the most like catchy upbeat sounding song about murdering four (laughs) kids you've ever heard colin is really good at this writing this song like there's the one line in this song i didn't write it down but he's he's like did you see like all the bellies and bones and bile and she's like no i was over here my own belly swollen with child and it's yeah just yeah like, yeah that's a it's creepy fucking line. dark yeah. but it's so yeah. like yeah like it's so nice sounding and yeah it, yeah, it yeah. does get old after a while because they do it a lot the same same album they have the song the big single off this album oh valencia was this super catchy pop folk song and it's about his like lover dying in her arms because her brother accidentally <laughs> shot her yeah jeez stuff like that yeah yeah that's yeah I don't know I don't know yeah I don't know there's something cause you can, uh, yeah. I don't, like, they, I, yeah. I think both of us are kind of teetering on this song and I think you're teetering towards the I don't like this song so much if I really think about it yeah and I'm teetering on the like it's an okay song. Yeah. I won't teeter. Like, it's not the best song I've ever heard. But I think I like it overall. I think, I mean, yeah, I think, I mean, they are like, they must be extremely influential. Because in two, I can't, because this came out in 05, right? 2005. 06. 06. 06. I mean, that's pretty, I mean, and that's before the big kind of like temporary blow up of folk pop. It's like all of the bands you just listed. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean... The Hey Ho genre. Yeah. Which, I mean... Yeah, that kind of... Mumford. That was a bit of a bubble at first, too. I mean, Mumford doesn't even do that anymore. So, I I don't know. I I like it. 
but for some reason, it graded wait, on wait, me a wait. little bit. I need to go back. Did you compare Fleet Foxes to the Lumineers in, of Monsters and Men? And Mumford and Son. Really? They're all part of the same folk bubble of music. Oh, fuck that, man. You were saying they're Fleet not the same Fox, genre? No. It's Fleet the Foxes same genre. are legit. I'm not as saying they're fuck. not. Those other three are fucking sellout corporate. But nevertheless, they're they're participating in the same genre of music. Okay, okay. That's all I'm saying. They're participating okay. in the same vernaculars. Flea Foxes do it way better. Okay. But they're still participating in the same region. This in count musical I'll, sub, I'll subdue my hipster rage. Come on, what? What genres are they participating in besides no, you're that? Right. It's like folk pop music. Yeah. It, I mean it's ex I mean Fleet Foxes are were or they are very good at it. Might be are again. Yeah. There's hints I'm, of them. Because know. I'm not saying the genre itself is hopeless. I'm just saying you can do it in an extremely stock, superficial hollow way like the Lumineers. Or you can do it in an extremely creative way like Fleet Foxes. And I can't tell which one this song is. I can't decide if it's... Well, Fleet Foxes died out in obscurity and the Lumineers are fucking like Illuminati rich. <laughs> so I think the Decemberists probably fell on the Fleet Foxes side of things because they're yeah. not Illuminati rich. Yeah, true. True. But yeah, I don't know. There's something about this song. Maybe it was the lyrics. They were too old time. Yeah, I will say the lyrics. Like I, you are in I the ground. Word, I threw that word archaic out, but like they are fucking hard to digest. You're in the ground with the wolves and the weevils, all a chew with your bones so dry. Who talks like that? <laughs> no one talks yeah, like that. I don't that. know. It just, but for some reason, it grated on me a little bit. I was like, I don't know. And the Decemberists are, they are known for that kind of like old English that no one fucking speaks and yeah. talk. Like, when Colin Malloy writes a song, he wants you to know that he reads a lot of books. Yeah. yeah. That, that That's kind of the takeaway. Yeah. Now, luckily, they make good, catchy music most of the time. Yeah. I will say their last couple efforts I haven't been the hugest fan of. Yeah. I think yeah. they kind of peaked in the early to mid 2000s but i still i still like them enough for every time any time they put on a new album i'll give it a listen yeah but, yeah i yeah. think i would again i think i would probably like them but it's a unique experience to be asked to actively critically listen to it and then and maybe i'm just revealing something about myself i don't like someone especially after fucking trent Reznor. Where every millisecond of that song is like, sweat. you can like smell a sweat of labor put into it. And this one, he's just dropping, you know, this song, he's just, he's doing folk music that people have been doing for a long time. And he's just dropping five dollar words. I feel like you're trying to convert me by continually comparing <laughs> them to Trent Reznor. And you just know that's going to break me Come down because, yeah, on. it's not as good as Trent Reznor. But again, that's an absurd standard to hold other people. To. No, yeah, because you... But when you listen to something that good... With Trent, you know that he probably spent, like, months obsessing over every little glitch and bleep and bloop, and which is why yeah. it feels so earned to you. Yeah. Where this is, like... There's kind of, like, a lot of, um... Like, 
overconfidence with a song like, look at what we can fucking do. Yeah. Here's another folk song yeah. for you, you fuckers. <laughs> Listen to these fancy look at folk words. fucking folky we are. <laughs> That's what it feels like. Yeah. But I don't, again, maybe I'm just revealing something more about myself than the song. You know what I mean? The song's about you, Dominic. Yeah, maybe it's about me. But it wasn't all, again, it's, they are good singers. They are. Yeah, Colin's got a good voice. It's all good instrumentation. I have, like, nothing really bad to say about it, except it just smells like there's a little something fishy going on. It doesn't smell like teen spirit. It's a little, it might be, like, pretentious cheese folk bordering on that, which I don't even know what that is. Cheese folk core. But it's the mighty wind. Go see Christopher uh, guess the mighty wind. Look for were- me with the sunrise sparrow. I will find you in the breath of the wind. <laughs> okay. Let's move on. <laughs> I'm not done singing. No, let's move on to our next track. I Won't Make You by Something Corporate off the 2003 album North. Something Corporate, also known as SoCo, was an American emo pop-punk band from Orange County, California. The band formed in 1998, released three LPs, two EPs, and broke up by 2004. The lead singer of the band, Andrew McMahon, would go on to form the emo alt-rock project Jack's Mannequin, uh, the band's name allegedly came from a joke. Some members of the band were talking about how bands have become so corporate these days and how it was the only way to sell records. And then when trying to think of a band name for the new project, one of them said, oh, we should come up with a name, like something really corporate. And then something corporate, something corporate. stuck. Uh, North, this album is the last album the band ever made before their indefinite hiatus. Mm. And... This song, I Won't Make You, is actually one of the few songs on the album not written by the lead singer of the band, but rather by the band's lead guitarist, Josh Partington. I I couldn't find out too much else (laughs) about this band, perhaps because they're forgettable. (laughs) I... I don't want to sound mean. It's what do you just, think of this song? You gotta were, tell me. They first. were making <laughs> light emo, light yeah, emo yeah. pop punk music during a time when the industry was so fucking flooded and saturated with music like this. Yeah. That yeah, when yeah. you make emo light during the emo wave, <laughs> you're gonna get sucked into the undertow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah there's a yeah. reason why this band was only together for a few years. Yeah. I, I don't know. The guitar work on the song, during the verses at least, it's kind of nice. The guy's voice is a bit too nasally for me. It's obviously about a guy who wants a girl that no, no longer wants him. It's kind of just stupid overall. Yeah, th- I think I think this might hit what I would consider to be the worst song of Shuffle. <laughs> this gets the rare honor of being just wait, wait, wait. the worst song. We had a Puddle of Mud song on Shuffle. <laughs> Which one was it again? There's a drift and die. Not that bad. Not that oh, bad. This shit. might be worse. Because this song, unless I'm hearing it wrong, is this is like a, the tip of the hat guy. It literally starts out, my dear... My tip of the fedora. <laughs> he does the tip of the fedora. Says, my dear. And well, he literally is saying, I'm not going to rape you tonight. 
Okay, I wanted. That's exactly what I took from it. <laughs> that, that is, is exactly what, what I took from it. That's so, what he's saying. I don't know how else to interpret that's it. That's like when as I I had to read those lyrics a couple times. Like, wait, what the fuck is he saying? I thought this was like a tender, like I miss you. But no, near the end of the song, he sings, and it's been hours now to be here like this, and just to lay you down, just to taste your lips, and just to keep me up. God, I'm so tired of sleeping, and just to lay inside God you and just to know this feeling and i said is it just me or is he implying <laughs> it's been a few hours since i last had sex with you and i'm so sad that i haven't had sex with you again since then <laughs> yep and i want to have sex with you but don't worry don't worry i will make you. yeah since the song seems to be him lamenting about how he will never have sex with this girl again he at least says, I won't make you, which... Like he deserves a moral yeah. merit badge for We haven't had sex, someone. but don't worry, I won't rape you, so it's all good, babe. Yeah, this is... Promising not to rape a girl. How very touching. I wrote that. <laughs> this song is the equivalent of being forced into the subjectivity of a self-absorbed, entitled rapist. I feel like he raped us by making us listen to this It's song. terrible. It's like literally you submit yourself to three minutes of experiencing what it is the inner monologue of someone who thinks he deserves a merit badge for not raping, for not raping someone. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, and I felt fucking betrayed because at first I just wrote it off as like, oh, it's this tender song about yeah. how he misses her. I was like, he can't possibly mean it. And then, and then each I read the lyrics and it's like, worse. oh shit. Because the second verse is like, I want to make you hear you scream my name again. And then I was like, okay, maybe not. And then the last verse is like. This is why <laughs> white men get a bad rap. Yeah, this is a terrible song. He is the glass ceiling. Yeah, this is a terrible song. Because it's just stock rock. Moody piano, minor chord, drum, emo voice. That's all just like it's an average grade. And then the lyrics somehow make it just go into the negatives. And this becomes the worst song on show. It's a rapist song. Rape song. Alleged, I guess. We don't want to. Rape core. <laughs> I, I don't even want to. Do you have anything I'm else? I'm very relieved you had the same interpretation. No, that's, that is like, the only thing I saw. Was, I almost messaged you. I was like, dude, is this song about rape? Oh my God. All right. All right. I, I don't want to spend any more time on this track unless you have anything else you want to say. No, 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 no. Okay. <laughs> There's way better songs on this playlist. This next one might be one. Half-Cocked Concepts by P.O.S. off of the 2006 album Audition. P.O.S., a.k.a. Stefan Alexander, is an underground hip-hop artist from Minneapolis, Minnesota. He is the founding member of the indie hip-hop collective Doom Treat. Yeah. He is currently signed to Rhyme Sayers Entertainment, which is the label that Slug from Atmosphere helped start. He's also a front member of many punk bands, one of them being a band called Building Better Bombs, where he is the lead <laughs> vocalist and guitarist. Mm. He is also a vocalist and keyboardist for the noise rock band Marijuana Death Squads. Mm. And he is also a member of the giant Midwest collective group Gangs, Gangs, Gang. which is highly inspired by 1980s soft rock, 
other members of this collective, <laughs> Justin Vernon of Bon Iver, Harmar Superstar, Dessa of Doomtree, as well as members of Policia and Solid Gold. Wow. Shit. They put, a, yeah, they yeah. put out an album a few years ago. It's pretty damn great. Wow. It's, it's, it's pronounced Gangs, but Gangs. it's spelled G-A-Y-N-G-S, like gay-ings. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Nice. He nice. also hosts a weekly program on my favorite radio station, 89.3 The Current in Minnesota. Yeah. His radio yeah. segment's called POS is Ruining the Current. It airs <laughs> every Saturday night at 11 p.m. And the name of that show, I think, is a reference to another song off of this album, Audition, which the song's called POS is Ruining My Life. Hmm. Stefan started his music career in a punk band called OM. O-M. From that band, he was often referred to as... Uh, Pissed Off Steel, which kind of gave birth to the name P.O.S. Today, he says the name can mean anything. Pissed Off Steph, Piece of Shit, Promise of Scale, Promises of Stress, Product of Society, Parent Over Shoulder, Performing on Stage. (laughs) He basically says whatever fits, it's cool with me. It can mean whatever you want it to mean. In 2012, P.O.S. had to cancel his first national tour due to severe kidney failure. Though by 2013, he did get a kidney transplant, has since been doing better. And overall, he's just a really cool dude from everything I can gather. Have you seen him live? I've seen him with Doomtree live. I haven't seen him solo live. Nice. Audition is the second solo album by him. And uh, this song, Half Cocked Concepts, Kind of shows a nice mix of his hip-hop influence along with his punk background. The name of the song was actually taken from an album by the Minneapolis-based post-hardcore band Kill Sadie. They put out an album called Half Cocked Concepts. And actually, the predominant sample used in the song, both the guitar and the screaming refrain that get up get up get up and get some done yeah was sampled from a song by kill sadie off that album oh. which was uh, called of course i didn't write it down shit it's like called, it's natural critters or something like that shit sorry guys i i will make sure to post it for you i was going to post a video of the song that this was sampled from The song's message overall seems to kind of be a bit over the place. It's mostly kind of about not being complacent, doing something meaningful with your life. There's a bunch of pop culture references thrown in there, such as allusions to Pulp Fiction, Fight Club, Death Wish, Jennifer Garner and Ben Affleck's marriage, (laughs) as well as the soft drink Fresca, and a bunch of nods to Minnesota as well. There's a music video for this song which features P.O.S. hanging out with a bunch of white people standing in a white room, <laughs> rapping the song. What did you think of it? I thought this was a good song. I don't really, I never actually, I saw Atmosphere Live for a little bit at 10K until they got rained out. But otherwise, I'm really not that familiar with anyone besides him. But I thought it was a good song. It seemed like lyrically, it. I liked it, but... I wasn't quite sure exactly what he was trying to say. Yeah, like I it was said, like there, he was so really cl- like there was like, especially when it started off with 
first thing fucked Bush. That's all. That's the end of yeah, it. And I thought, whoa, man, this is going to be political. And then it was kind of about, like, being authentic. And then it was just kind of like... And then it was just kind of like a bunch of, like, Pulp Fiction references. Yeah. Which it was all well executed. Yeah. Like, really I like well his executed. voice. I like the beats. He's got a sick yeah. flow. Yeah. And, yeah, he has a kind of punk vibe. But it just, like... I wasn't sure he is like he almost said something, but I was like, and I will I say like, like again, like this is this is early in his like, he definitely develops his voice more as his career yeah. goes on. Yeah, I, I think the song's fucking great. I love how gritty and hardcore it is. Like, yeah. I love hip hop music that's hard and gritty and like yeah. especially with the screaming vocals. Yeah, I love and just that kind of like part, the like yeah. the, bam, bam, yeah. like that's the whole. Just like a slamming on like a bass is yeah. like the whole music to the song. Impending kind of yeah, raw yeah. It's and then I, I I do like that first line like the first of all fuck Bush. That's all. <laughs> that's the end of it. It's like there's really nothing else important to say. That's the most important thing to say right now, yeah. especially you yeah, know yeah. 2006 when it was prevalent. Yeah. Uh, I also really <laughs> I love the part about Fresca at the end when <laughs> yeah, like, he like. He sings about like fuck Fresca, and then at the end he's he's talking to like someone that's probably there while he's recording the song. He's like, "You drinking a Fresca? You're fired!" Like I, I, I like how angry but kind of yeah. funny and lighthearted he is at the same time. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it was a good. This song. is a great song. It's weird when he the only one lyric I thought was a little strange was when he's like, "You're hungry, eat it." Is that what he says? He's like, "Eat a gun." And then he's like, haha, that's terrible. That's the Fight Club reference. Oh, it's a Fight Club. Where he shoots okay. himself in the mouth. Oh. Because then after oh. that, okay. he talks about Tyler Durden. Yeah, I caught He talks that about one. how, like, just because you shove feathers up your ass doesn't make you a chicken, which okay. is something Tyler Durden says in Fight Club. So, yeah, the eat a okay, gun I line is a reference to him shooting himself in the mouth okay. at the end of the movie. Okay, now that makes a little yeah. more sense. Because, yeah, he said it and I was like... It's cryptic. I mean, because then he's to, immediately like, like, "No, that's terrible." Just yeah. kidding. And I was like, "What?" But okay, no, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the idea of like he's talking <laughs> to these complacent kids and he's basically just saying, "You're worthless. <laughs> Shoot yourself." He's like, "No, that's terrible. Don't don't listen." Yeah, to that. yeah. I think yeah, that yeah. was kind of the sentiment. Yeah. No, it's good yeah. though. Yeah, no, it had good. It's kind of like raw, punk kind of. Very thing. raw. Yeah. No, I dug it. Yeah, I dug it. Yeah. Two thumbs up, especially. Yeah. Especially following the song that yeah. preceded it. <laughs> three really good up. song. Yeah, three, 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 three Kanye West balls hairy dropped, shaved, fully shaved. Yeah, dropped. <laughs> All right. Uh, anything else? Or no? Yeah, no. Good song. Uh, yeah, so, good. what what would you have to say is your favorite track out of the bunch? I gotta go with Nine Inch Nails. Yeah, I gotta go with that. Hands down. Not even close. See, I want to say that, but I feel like it's too typical. So, like, deep down, that's what I want to say. But on the surface, I think I want to say half-cocked concepts. Just because it's a very refreshing hip-hop song. That's fair. But just know deep down, I'll it's, know what you really it's actually the Nine Inch Nails song. It's really I, I Won't Make You. All right, that'll <laughs> wrap things up. Uh, please send us submissions of songs, genres, music you made yourself that you'd like us to talk to. You can send it to us on Facebook, facebook.com slash shuffle, on Twitter at shufflepodcast, on Tumblr, shufflepodcast.tumblr.com, or email us, shufflecastpod at gmail.com. Or if you want, you can head over to our website, which I'm plugging now, 
jaredscott.com slash shuffle. That's J-R-D-S-C-T-T dot com slash 5-H-U-F-F-L-E. Jared. Please listen to the Game Cave podcast, a podcast my friend John Miller runs where we talk about video games. You can find that at soundcloud.com slash the Game Cave podcast. And now, even though I've already kind of hinted to you what one of them was, here are the tracks for the episode 19. First track in his third appearance on Shuffle, Xmas Vet 10, Phantom 3 Mix by Aphex Twin. Hmm. Truck Driving Song by Weird Al Yankovic. The Messenger by Thrice. Don't Be That Note I Can't Hold by The Scene Aesthetic. And Sold My Soul by The Used. Now, if Dominic wants to say anything that's not Paul McCartney related, we can listen to that. Uh, no, I don't have nope. anything now. All right. Well, that'll be it then. <laughs> uh, thank you for listening. I hope you all have a good week, and I'll see you next time. Shout out to my well, wing nuts. Actually, I'm not sure how it's going to play out, but there's a chance I might be. we might be gone for a while. Cryptic. If you don't hear from me for a few months, Mom, he's dead. call the police or he's something. <laughs> no, I, I am going on vacation soon, and I'm just not quite... We I'll do pro- the show without you. Okay, Dominic's going to take over. I don't me. worry, fans. I got a special wing nut episode God coming up hot. Three no, hour, three part. I think we'll, we'll still be here. Ne- we could probably record one more next week. I'll do a couple wings episodes. So next week's... Next week... Don't worry about it. I got the wings. Okay, never mind. Okay, <laughs> Bye.